Hello. You're on with Nick and Fiona. Has 2017 been a good year for movies? Loved it. Hi, and welcome to The Playlist. I'm Fiona Williams, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nick Bassine. Hey, Nick. How's it going? Good, thanks. Fiona, we've talked in the past about how special our episodes are, and they can get to be quite special. We call them special episodes. We've had a run of them lately. We sure have, and we're not going to stop anytime soon. (laughs) This is also a special episode because we're talking about the best and worst movies and TV shows of the year. It's a year in review, if you will. It is. We are also going to be previewing some of the big film releases on Boxing Day, which is a big movie-going day for a lot of people. So before you go see any movies, make sure you listen to this. Well, theoretically, you are listening to this now. (laughs) So well done. Part of that preview will be an interview with Cecile de France, who is in Just To Be Sure, which is coming out on Boxing Day, and she's in a lot of other movies that have been on SBS that are on SBS On Demand, like Kid With The Bike. She's also in The Young Pope. But first, has 2017 been a good year for movies? It's funny. I My years always end well because this is where a lot of the films that have premiered at some of the later festivals like a Toronto or a Venice are starting to come out here in anticipation of award season. So I tend to end the year well with movies I like. So I'm more buoyant at this time of year, I think, than I am around the winter months or spring where you get and you just think, I would just like to see a good movie soon. When you look at your list, yes. do you end up loaded with stuff that's coming out now? Or hmm, that's uh, well, I've got a couple from the start of the year, more from the end of the year, and not much from the middle right. as I look at it with the releases. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, actually, almost exclusively. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Well, I think that there were some movies that I liked so much that it felt like this was a good year, mm. and maybe and it felt like one of the better years because of how much I liked a few, a few movies. All right, well, let's start naming names. Yes. Do you want to start with... Um, My favourites? Yeah, the, sure. the best movies of the year. Have That's, you put them in order from one to ten? Uh, not really, actually. No, I haven't really crunched them down, but these are all movies I really loved this year. Okay. Started strong with Get Out. Okay. Get Out. Great movie. Yes. Loved it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's happily getting some awards season attention. Not enough, I don't think. I, no. The Golden Globe nominations came out and Jordan Peele didn't get a director nomination. Apparently it directed yeah. itself. But uh, And also I don't love that it was in, what is it, musical comedy? Uh, yeah, comedy musical. Every year yeah. there is something weird about that category. I agree. And I think that's a diss to the film because it's such a clever thriller. It, you know, it has comic moments. I think to actually call it a comedy doesn't quite encapsulate no, what's so great about wrong. that film. It's so sharp. Absolutely. Also earlier this year, Logan. I really loved the big finale to Wolverine, the farewell to Wolverine, where we retire the superhero of the X-Men with a full middle finger blade to all the stupid ones that we've seen lately. I, I think it was a clever, morbid, melancholic, thoughtful, and really action-packed farewell to our Hugh as the Wolverine. That would make it your favourite superhero movie. Oh, God, yeah. Certainly. Yeah. What else? I mean, I liked Wonder Woman, but I I don't think it was a patch on Logan. See, I put Wonder Woman instead of Logan because it was so exhilarating watching Wonder Woman in action. Mm. But I'm almost inclined to agree that Logan's a better movie. Yeah, I really enjoyed Wonder Woman and I think Gal Gadot was great. Um, I had trouble with the ending. I thought it yeah, cut away st- quite a bit. There was too much Steve in there for the ending. And, yeah, so as a film I'd much prefer Logan and the little girl in Logan I thought oh, was so Oh, she was so great. Good. Yeah, she yeah. was excellent. So loved it. Things to come, which technically it's in last year's list but it came out in cinemas here this year. But it's the French film Mia Hansen-Love directed this one with my girl, Isabel Huppert. And it's just a beautiful film about a woman experiencing a horrible, terrible, very bad year where she, her husband packs up and leaves her. She loses a mother. She's an academic and she kind of loses her book deals. Uh, so, like, a lot of bad things happen, but it's just beautiful and about resilience and glorious. Loved it. Did you see that one? I haven't seen it. <laughs> You're on a bit of a roll with um, the Huppert oh. movies, though, aren't you? Well, yeah, she makes a lot of them and and generally they're very good. But, yeah, honestly, with Elle, that was my favourite last year, as you know. Yeah, Yeah, this one's much different and I just think I haven't always loved Mia Hansen Love's movies but here it felt 
just a really authentic story about a woman going through horrible time. And even the way they shot Isabel Hooper, I've never noticed how short she is on screen, but even just the framing, like it did show her as quite small, oh. you know, in a story kind of way because all these horrible external things are happening, but it's then it built her up in showing how resilient she was. Does yeah. she get taller throughout the movie? <laughs> no, it just it struck me watching it. I thought, I've never really seen how petite she is. I know she's a short woman but and I've met her in person, Bragg. But, um, it, how short is she? Well, she's a petite woman. Less than five foot? Oh, well, I didn't have a measuring tape. I don't know. She was shorter than me. Okay. <laughs> but um, anyway, that was an aside that I didn't mean to take up this long in the conversation. But So that's three movies, oh, yes, yeah? Thank what you else? for keeping score. Number four, uh, but not in this order necessarily. Not in a certain order, and I don't even know if I've got five or maybe I've come up with six, but I really enjoyed Raw, the French cannibal. I haven't seen that. I really want to see it. Well, it's at SBS On Demand, Nick. I'm sorry, where? Yes, sbs.com.au slash on demand. That's not why it's on this list. You know, it's called the French cannibal thriller, but it's more a story of puberty and sibling, not rivalry, but sort of, and hazing. Like it's a university hazing kind of film that happens to have cannibalism. And boy, does it have cannibalism. But it's great. I really, really liked that. And that came to SBS On Demand quite quickly. So that came out early on in the year for a short run and we've since had it free to stream. Yeah. Um. So it's called raw. So it is called raw. So they're eating raw, not cooking anybody. Correct. Okay. No, it's, yeah. What do you call that? Well, when you cook somebody? <laughs> <laughs> raw, I suppose. Okay. Never mind. What else have we got? I Am Not Your Negro. Yeah. Oscar nominated. Great movie. Uh, beautiful. Wait, uh, Oscar what? nominated last year, wasn't it? Yeah, Correct. I really like that But movie. came to cinemas this yes. year, which I think is our barometer for yeah, yeah. calling it this year. Because our audience have only had a chance to watch it this year here legally. So this one is a documentary about James Baldwin and his eloquent and beautifully articulate observations of race in America and, you know, in the 60s slash early 70s and just how relevant they are right now. His beautiful words, you know, he was a talking head on talk shows and, and just was very provocative in the way he'd just be extremely candid about America. It's remarkable. And when I saw that, I thought, ooh, at the OJ doc that was yeah. in the running for Oscar, which I thought had a lock on it, I thought, ooh, this could be a could be a bolter. But, of course, OJ won the um, Oscar. Yeah, I watched it a while ago. It's a mm. great documentary. He's super interesting. I've read one of his books, uh, The Fire Next Time. It's really good. I loved getting to know him more and, and watching him on talk shows and everything and making people angry. It was great. Mm-hmm. And a couple of recent films now. So um, this is where I say the year's ending really well. Uh, Call Me By Your Name, I really enjoyed. We yes. tackled that in a previous podcast. Uh, so this is Luca Guadagnino's story of love under the North Italian sun uh, with Army Hammer and Timothée Chalamet. So that's Boxing Day film, yep. which we're talking about this episode actually, and The Florida Project with, um, I've mentioned it several times this year. Yes, we <laughs> um, devoted an episode to it in fact. We did, interviewed the director Sean Baker. So this story of a wannabe Disney princess and her hard luck life in the shadows of the happiest place on earth. Loved it. Possibly my favourite of the year, but then I think Get Out. Yeah, and then I go back to all of the ones on this list. So I'm a bit stuck on the big numero uno, but there's a few honourable mentions as well. (laughs) We'll get to those. How do you um, differentiate between uh, a movie that you may have found super entertaining Mm. and uh, maybe even felt a lot and something that you thought was just really great? but maybe it connected more with your head than your heart. Mm. Do you make those distinctions at all? Sure. Well, yeah, and I think one that did both higher up the list. Yeah, like I loved Get Out when I saw it. I'd heard really good things and I was thinking, oh, God, I hope it meets the expectations, and it totally did, and I can't wait to watch it again. It was one of those experiences of watching it in a cinema and at the end just spontaneous applause broke out and, like, that was a great way to watch the film as well. And, you know, Logan... I thought maybe the Western part in Logan was maybe a little overplayed, but, yeah, I just thought it was beautiful and so unexpected for a superhero movie. It it was just a really good movie that happened to be about a superhero yeah. past his prime, and et cetera. I obviously, except for the ones I haven't seen, agreed with, I agree with your list. Those are all great movies. My um, tie for my favourite movie of the year were, was The Florida Project, mm. but also um, The Disaster Artist. Right which I loved. I laughed so much and I thought it was so incredibly funny and I thought all those people were great. I haven't seen that one. Are you planning to see it? Yeah, I will see it probably in my break, yeah. I know okay. I've uh, 
heard so much about it from mostly from you. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, but uh, yes, on the um, list. I also really like the Big Sick this yes. year. Friend of the really show, like friends of the show, friends of the show, Kamal and Emily. Yeah, I really like that. Well, it's a romantic comedy, which uh, I couldn't remember the last time I saw a good romantic comedy, which I love. But they make so many bad ones; it's um, it gets hard to love them. And this felt so new, and it was also partially because of the interracial um, stuff and the multicultural um, area that it uh, delves into, but mainly because it was funny. I thought it was very funny. Yeah, same. It laughed a lot. It, it earned its laughs, and the fact that there was multicultural romance in there, and it seemed like real people. Yeah. <laughs> like it wasn't a, yeah. a device. I really got into Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond. It has a much longer title that I, I've, I've forgotten, but um, <laughs> we, we talked about it on the show mm-hmm. Previously, I just thought it was a great window into Jim Carrey and uh, how hilarious he is and also how potentially unhinged he might be. Not in a bad way, but just, you know. Eccentric. Yeah. And I also wanted to point out something like American Made, which isn't a great movie, but it was great in the way that it does things that I don't, I don't think movies do anymore, where it's just kind of entertaining, Tom Cruise charisma, interesting ending. I didn't know any of that stuff about the guy who... Flew all those ammunitions to um, Nicaragua. Yeah, ran those planes for um, the CIA. It was just fun. Yeah, I agree. That solid movie. Yeah. Yeah, just kind of solid, and and also in the middle of the year, right? Wasn't it around Correct. then? So it's yeah, that's it's kind of an outlier because, like you said, it, we have to wait to the end of the year to get really good movies. Um, Girls Trip, even though I thought most of it was not great, there was some stuff in there that really stood out that made it seem like something special. So that's it for our favorites. But there were some not-so-favourites. Yeah, correct. I'm going to say they were the worst. I can't even remember when I saw it, but I did. I know that I did go on a tangent about it because it was my What Have You Been Watching? A Cure for Wellness. Oh, right. Yeah. I hated it. Even in my memory I feel like it was three hours, but I'm not sure. But it was a very long movie, which is not what was wrong about it, but it's just a very pervy gothic thriller that was ludicrous and dealt with the sexualization of a character who hadn't even yet hit puberty. That was kind of buried in all the reviews of it. Everyone was sort of saying how beautiful it was to look at. And I was like, there's a prepubescent girl in a tub that everyone's just lusting after. But anyway, um, but it was dumb and all style, no substance, you know, that hackneyed way to describe a movie. But it thoroughly applied to that one. Hated it. Uh, when you're in a movie that you hate, yeah. do you? how do you um, – do you – I half Fidget. and I puff. <laughs> Do, are you audible? Um, no, no, I don't. That one I remember, I think they previewed that at one of the gold class ones. So I was in a recliner oh. and, yeah, so <laughs> squeaky leather and, Adjust- yeah, I was moving around a little bit. Did you keep adjusting your seat, <laughs> trying to get comfortable? <laughs> I, I was willing it to end. In my younger, more impetuous days, I used to, I used to make it known <laughs> when I was displeased. I would groan. I would make um, like a, huh? Like we like noises like that. It's <laughs> terrible, incorrigible. I hope I don't. Maybe I do without even realizing. If I really had it, it's possible. Um, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I don't. I think made so. one of those noises in the movie last night. What was that one? Uh, Star Wars. Oh. It was. Um, huh? I made one of those. <laughs> well, <laughs> when we're recording this, we just saw Star Wars last night. But there were a lot of people exclaiming and whooping and whatnot oh, at Star Wars. So it can be were loving it. annoying. Yes. yes. What else? Mother. Variation on the same theme as Cure for Wellness. I, you know, certainly he tried something, Darren Aronofsky, but I just think it was all a monument to his ego and I, I was not on board for that one. And I probably did huff and puff in that one maybe, but that I would put that on par with the Cure for Wellness. I hated a Cure for Wellness more. But I was bothered by Mother. I didn't see A Cure for Wellness. I saw the trailer. But it looked like Mother would have been a much more grand disaster than A Cure for Wellness. Because <laughs> I saw Mother. And, Mo- and, yeah. and Mother, I was bored to tears. And then the third act uh, shows up. And I, I kept saying, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. Just yeah. freaking out. There's a bit of that in the other one too, though. But oh, yes. really? Yeah, okay. Yeah. But that's not a call for someone to go and watch it. Just don't bother. Does it make it worse for you if you when you read other people saying that it's genius? Well, you know, each to their own, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it, well, like, it makes did, a difference. Did you even see the same film I did with The Cure for Wellness? Because it was that was used in the trailer, like the young woman crawling out of a bathtub of snakes is like this sexy scene. And yeah. it's, sorry, no. Nah. 
most reviews lent on the it's visually spectacular. No, there is a lot in this story that needs to be discussed and put out there and I, no, sorry, no. Okay. Nope. What's next? So they're the two that got me fired up the most. Yep. I didn't care for Suburbicon, the George Clooney director. Very disappointing. Very much so. The bizarre and very tone deaf story of a murderous plot in a picket fenced kind of housing estate in the 60s where all the goings on in this suburban house with his winking sort of telling and there's some civil rights violations going on over the back fence. And, it, yeah, we've, we've tackled this in the What Have You Been Watching in an earlier episode, but it just was so off and felt like an old story and, frankly, in a post-get-out year, not good enough. It just wasn't good. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I didn't like it and I liked it less and less the more I thought about it. Mm. It reminded me of when the Farrelly brothers got really huge and then they started just kind of recycling one of the millions of unproduced screenplays they had. <laughs> yeah. And just started pushing it out because people will... What else you got? What else you yeah, got? Yeah, <laughs> they'll just watch, they'll make and people will watch it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, I thought it was telling that the Coen brothers had written this, but they weren't making it. They, they wrote it. You know, it was old. It was in a drawer somewhere for a couple of decades. And then George Clooney dusted it off and said, yeah, yeah. I'll bite. Clooney's got to make better directing yeah. choices. Georgie. Come on, George. Uh We'd love to have you on the show, George. <laughs> what else have you hated? When you think about the worst movies, mm. there are movies that will be made by less adventurous artists who are just kind of doing things by the numbers. They will just come and go because you won't even be interested in seeing them. Those are probably worse than these movies that we're talking oh, about, yes. right? Yeah. I can't even think of any off the top of my head, but just some dumb genre slasher movie mm. or whatever is certainly going to be worse than Mother this grandiose artistic because <laughs> yeah. mother will give you gives you something you yeah, exactly you don't, like it. you don't come out going eh. yeah exactly but so for me it was valerian and the city of oh. a thousand planets i am um, from friend of the show luke besson love luke besson <laughs> in, in person he's a wonderful wonderful man but i i, I mean i was stifling the urge because i'm trying to be an adult but i i was groaning throughout that entire movie I couldn't handle it. I liked some of the effects, but I felt like I was trapped in. Um, I don't have. I don't have. A, I don't have a good metaphor. Yeah, I was just trapped. All right. Well, I mean, we seem to have agreed on most of those. That's not very exciting. Well, this show is about getting along. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> how to meet in the middle. That's that's what we're all about. <laughs> oh, Switzerland the scene. <laughs> well, maybe TV is going to be the one that proves more divisive. Yeah, let's find out. Let's see. So because there are no fewer than 7,000 TV shows this year, I had to come up with a few different categories. Mm. So the stuff I loved, and I didn't put it in order, Mindhunter. Yes. It was a great show, super interesting. It's about FBI investigations in the early days of serial killer investigations. David Fincher, it's unclear how many, I think he directed a few episodes. I don't know if it's necessarily, you would say it's from David Fincher. Would you say that? Oh, that I think that's how lot. it's being pitched. Like with House of Cards, right? It's not a yeah. similar kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's got that bluey kind of It looks like lens. a David Fincher <laughs> production, definitely. It's got the Fincher filter. Yes. Um, I wouldn't think that this would be entertaining or even all that uh, interesting. And it got better and better as the episodes went on. I got more invested. I got super creeped out by all the serial killers. I thought it was just great. They do use real cases, don't they? Yeah. Yes. I've, I've only started watching it. I've watched about three of them. But yeah. Yeah. And they have good likenesses, and you yeah. get the old Wikipedia happening, and yeah, it's quite disturbing. It, oh, yeah, it's very like. unsettling. Another one on my list is Feud, Betty and Joan, <sighs> because I love old Hollywood. I love old Hollywood stories, and I love, and I, you're also a fan of um, whatever happened to Baby Jane. It is one of my all time favorites. And this show is about making that um, while. Betty Davis and Joan Crawford are hating each other and going at it. Susan Sarandon, who's made some questionable political decisions lately, <laughs> and um, Jessica Lange are both great. And they do more than impressions, all the things that people say about good biopic type stuff. Yeah, very entertaining. Uh, Stanley Tucci, friend of the show, mm. is also great in it. Big Little Lies was a good show this year. Um, it was really entertaining and well done, but mainly I think uh, great performances from Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon. They were very good. I think it's its ninth season, but I still think Curb Your Enthusiasm is very funny. I still get some big laughs out of it. Um, the Deuce was really interesting. It got better and better. Yeah, see, I started that and... 
finished it with the same episode. I watched the first one. Um, yeah. No, it didn't grab me. Actually, I didn't even finish the first episode. It felt to me like it was quote unquote period film, like a period setting, yeah. squeaky leather. It just felt like a let's do a boogie nights kind of a series. It just it felt like dress ups and it felt sort of central casting a little bit and I don't know. It, yeah. I tapped out. I totally agree. <laughs> what? Even though it's one you of my favorite shows of the year <laughs> because I tapped out after the first episode and I didn't pick it up until months later. Oh, okay. And then I watched the re- I said, all right, it's David Simon. I got to put in the work. Hmm. Like I did, I did with The Wire. The Wire was not fun at the beginning. <laughs> and I put in the work and I was rewarded with a great James Franco performance, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Who and not, another James Franco yeah, performance. Yeah, a couple of them. That's right. Plays twins. And Maggie Gyllenhaal, who I don't always love, she was really good in it. And I, I just got more and more into it. Uh, hmm. I, it paid off for me. Okay. Um, Veep was very funny this year again. It's always very funny. Better Call Saul, the oh. Breaking Bad spinoff. I always enjoy that. I thought it was, again, it was great this With year. friend of the show, Giancarlo Esposito. That's right. Special episode. That's right. The way back. And now we get to the SBS portion of the list. The Young Pope. Ah, yep. So weird. I haven't seen such a weird show in a long time that was also beautiful and had just a magnetic, strange performance from Jude Law. I really liked it, even if I was at times thinking, what is going on Mm -hmm. here? Yeah, I thought it was definitely one of the best shows of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Me me too. Yeah, hooked. Um, Love Palo Sorrentino's films anyway. So I was kind of there and he does these beautiful, surreal moments that you do go, ah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> like it's just that yeah. really huh. At I think the end it's of it. it's uncanny. I would be bored for 20 minutes and then, you know, oh, do I I don't care about the comings and goings of Vatican dignitaries. And then something weird, super weird happens or Jude Law admits he doesn't believe in God or mm. something and it reels you right back in. Yeah. It's uncanny. Mm. The Handmaid's Tale. Well, come on. One of the best shows of the year. Haunting, dystopic, um I mean, everybody knows this show. It's it's mm. wonderful. Genuinely so, absolutely, it's yes. very good. Great. Search Party, a favourite. Genuine delight. I love this series. Earlier in the year was Series 1 and Series 2 has just come now as well. You can watch them all on demand. I love it. I it's loved great. the first series, the intrigue, and what it says about friendship. When you're friends with everyone, who are you actually friends with? And like, I yeah. love it, yeah. It's wonderful. It's so funny. Meredith Hagner as Portia and John Early as Elliot. They are just so funny and there's nothing else like it on TV. We are in an upcoming episode. We'll be talking to a couple of um, cast members of Search Party, which is very exciting. Mm -hmm. But my favorite show of the year, even though it's in its third season, is um, Catastrophe. You keep saying this and you keep telling me I should watch it and I haven't. I can't can't (laughs) recommend it enough. So funny. Uh, so real. Sharon Horgan, who is an Irish actress, writer, she's created a bunch of amazing shows in the UK. And uh, Rob Delaney, mm. who's an American comedian, and they just make an amazing uh, couple. And it's very funny, very heartfelt. And yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm going to add Atlanta into that list as well. I loved that earlier in the year. Yeah, you're right about that. Donald Glover is a down and out music producer. Yeah. Mm. He's trying to get his career going while also raising a son. And his cousin is a hip hop artist that he manages. And it's just an interesting look at Atlanta life. Yeah. I've got to say my number one though, I haven't been as fascinated and intrigued by a show and wanting to watch an episode once I'd finished as I was this year by Twin Peaks, The Return. Loved it. Yes. Loved it and could not wait to stream it. Uh, probably two was enough in, in each sitting, but didn't always know, well, hardly ever knew <laughs> where it was going with each episode. Some of them were absolutely beautiful. I'm always going to go back to episode eight. That was something yeah. completely different and I just loved it. And, yeah, when it all wrapped up, it didn't entirely all wrap up anyway, but it was just a really satisfying TV experience for me this year. I loved it. I didn't see it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you should. So that's one of the big themes of the year, and I think this is going to be a (laughs) a growing problem with TV if we keep making so many series. It's impossible to have the time to watch them all, even something as lauded as Twin Peaks, which Mm. 
is on lots of top 10 lists and it's supposed to be amazing and I am going to get to it, but... <laughs> Same with me and Catastrophe. I mean, uh, each of our number ones, the other one hasn't seen. So. Just no, there's just no time because there's also, there's a bunch of other great shows that I didn't get a chance to watch. Uh, halt and Catch Fire is supposed to be good. Ozark on Netflix is supposed to be it's good. It's on my list. I haven't got to it yet. So I've got a list of shows I'm still watching even though they've gotten terrible and I'm just punishing myself. We've talked about this. You are a completist. If you don't like something, you're not tapping out. Yeah, it's it's so weird and I'm, you know, just going to run out of time. That's and why you're not getting to Twin Peaks. Yeah. I'm still watching The Walking Dead, which started getting bad in the second season and now it's the fifth or sixth. No, seventh maybe. Oh, my God. I don't even want to think about it. I'm still watching um, House of Cards. Okay, yeah, I finished that this year, yeah. But that's that's not good anymore. It's just well, it's gonna get good when Robin takes over. Oh, have you finished it? I've, I'm up to date. Okay, good. And girls, I've never liked girls, but I watched it all through the end. That ended this year. The Americans, I know it's a favorite, but I don't, I don't really like it. Really? Well, see, it. I'm still in series one and I love it, but again, I haven't gone and gotten the rest. But I, I got sidetracked. But uh, love it, love what I've seen. There's a terrible show called Billions. With you a dollar sign on the know, S. Is there a dollar sign on the S? I want to say. There it. might as well be. Have you watched it? <laughs> no, I haven't. You'd hate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and all the Marvel Netflix shows, no thanks, but I watched them all. Well, of those Marvel shows, Iron Fist stands out. It was really bad. Just super slow. So uninteresting. It started off with a controversy over representation because he's a kung fu guy, but he's white. This was an opportunity to hire an Asian actor. Mm. Uh, it wouldn't have mattered either way. The show stunk. The show White Famous. Yes, I saw the first episode of this. Yeah, I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. 13 Reasons Why. Okay. Really didn't enjoy that. You're, um, you're, the list of things you hate is a lot longer than uh, the ones you liked. So, yeah, that's our best and worst. I would say it's been a good year. Right? Wouldn't you say? Sure. You feel good about it? <laughs> it's been a year. Of course, the year is not technically over yet. A couple of weeks to go. There's still a big movie release day, Boxing Day. Lots of movies are coming out. And one of them is Call Me By Your Name, mm-hmm. which we've talked about a lot on the show already. But even though I liked it less than you did, I, I think it's certainly worth experiencing. Absolutely. Jumanji. I'm sorry, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Right. As opposed to the other Jumanji, which is just Jumanji. Correct. And also from 20 years ago. <laughs> so this one picks up from that film with, a, I mean, it's almost like that other one didn't happen actually. So if you recall the Robin Williams movie with his kids playing the board game Jumanji brought the the natural world of the game Jumanji into the real world and there's stampeding, yeah, all sorts of animals. Correct. In this version it's the 90s, so therefore there's a video game cartridge called Jumanji that sucks people into the game. So the players, the disaffected teens, have avatars which become Dwayne the Rock Johnson, Jack Black, a hotsy-totsy 90s babe and Kevin Hart. How is this movie different from Tron? (laughs) Oh, they're largely interchangeable. (laughs) No. Look, it's fine. It's sort of a rollicking adventure. I think it loses something by sucking them into the game. So like you're in the jungle, whereas before it was that odd thing of seeing animals in in our world. So it it had that sort of strangeness to it. Here the jokes all hinge on the fact that there are other people in the bodies of the rock, Jack Black. So it's a Instagram-y princess goes into the body of Jack Black. So the joke is that Jack Black is really a woman who's attracted to The Rock, but, you know, like it's all sort of jokes like that. Is it for children? It is for children. Okay. But there's also a few jokes in there for the adults. And Karen Gillan is sort of, I mentioned, the hotsy totsy 90s kick-ass babe. So, yeah, within the world of the game, which is a 90s game, I understand that they've basically created a character who looks like Tomb Raider Lara Croft. So, you know, she's got the hot pants and the big boobs and the tank top that shows the midriff and whatnot. And they make a point of her commenting on that, that she's realised like that in the game, which, you know, is fun and it makes you aware of the way that women are portrayed in video games and yada, yada, yada. My issue with it was the movie sort of goes along those lines as well and it it sort of becomes what it was parodying. Having its cake and eating it too. Exactly. So, you know, she makes a comment that she feels like she's wearing a bikini so she has to borrow a shirt 
and he ties it around the waist and, you know, <laughs> you know, it doesn't do anything actually. And then there's just some shot selection that I had a problem with. Like, you know, she gets a big fight scene and then you see her ass as she's walking away. I just think if the film was actually saying something, it would show her face walking away with a satisfied smirk rather yeah, than right, right. the rear view. So, yeah, I, I thought it could have done better there. Does The Rock need to fire his agent? He is one of the most charismatic, likable people yeah. on screen working today, and I, I'm never interested in any of his movies. <laughs> oh, I liked The Tooth Fairy. Oh, <laughs> boy. Back. I did. Oh, step to see that. But, yeah, here, like, he, very nerdy, shy guy, becomes The Rock and, you know, the mega muscles, and that's the joke that he is, yeah. such as it is. Is he fun? Oh, yeah, it's fine. I mean, you know, it's fine. I've come out of it going, oh, my God, that was terrible. It's a rollicking adventure. Okay. Make of that what you will. Downsizing is also coming out. Correct. Alexander Payne's movie with your mate Matt Damon. I love Alexander Payne movies. Uh, Election is a big favourite. One for um, the ages, that one. Citizen Ruth, Laura Dern yeah. is so good. I can't name it. A recent satire that so perfectly makes fun of both sides of some issue. I mean, that, that movie really stands out. About Schmidt, I really liked. Um, I liked Nebraska. Yeah, from I, a couple of years back. I didn't. Uh-huh. I disagree. <laughs> oh, and Sideways, yeah. of course, yes, which I really liked also. Um, the Descendants was okay, but I, I'm just not getting excited about his movies anymore, but I keep going in with a huge anticipation. And I, I, yeah, I don't know what, uh, I thought it was okay. It seemed I, okay. I've heard really good things about downsizing, but I haven't seen it yet. So, yeah, tell me it. It was okay. It. I thought it was just very okay. I mean, there's some interesting things. Uh, What's it's, the story? Humanity has been is using up Earth's natural resources, and so a way to curb that accelerated growth is to make everybody tiny. Right. So they use less, they waste less, and um, Matt Damon, he and his wife Kristen Wiig get downsized in order to. I mean, in, oh, and when you're tiny, you can afford a huge mansion because it's only cost ten bucks or whatever. Right. So they're going to do it. Kristen Wiig is actually very funny, but she disappears after 15 minutes or something, which was really annoying because I think I really like her. But it kind of abandons that reality a little bit and it starts to get into, well, heavily into environmentalism, which is all right. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to explain this. I, I just, <laughs> I was along for the ride, but I didn't wasn't really enjoying it that much. The woman that plays the Vietnamese refugee, uh, she's very funny. She's good. She's her accent is also oh. really big and cartoonish. Now I'm not Vietnamese, but I've been to Vietnam, mm -hmm. and I don't remember um, people talking like that. But so it's exaggerated for comic effect. It is what you're sort of seems that way, and everybody's just kind of okay. But I, I left feeling like a, a letdown. Yeah. Okay. You've seen Just to Be Sure. I have seen Just to Be Sure. So Just to Be Sure is uh, the French language film uh, released for Boxing Day, directed by Karine Tardieu. This one is one of those you find out your father's not your father, so you go on a mission to find out who your father is. Uh, it's a gentle comedy, kind of a romantic comedy really, um, big French hit. It premiered at Cannes earlier this year. Yeah, it's, you know, all about parenthood and love and family and the complication in this one is when Erwin, who was the lead character, played by Francois Damiens, who you'd know if you saw so he hires a detective to look into who his real father might be, all the while falling for the feisty doctor that he meets, played by Cécile de France. So there's this beginnings of a relationship when, uh-oh, look who might be the dad, her dad. So, yeah, this is a nice romantic comedy that um, has really strong performances, including by one Cécile de France, who I had the good luck to speak to. Yeah, she's... In so many films, like in so many SBS films and TV series. So we mentioned Young Pope earlier. Right. She's in that. She's very good in that. She's excellent in that. You'd know her from films like the Dunn Brothers' Kid with a Bike from a few years ago. English language audiences, she was in Clint Eastwood's Hereafter mm -hmm. from a few years back. Not to be confused with the sweet Hereafter. No, she's not in that. <laughs> and Summertime. Not to be confused with the Will Smith wintertime. song, Summertime. <laughs> no. Also, I don't know if you've seen on Netflix, but it's called Call My Agent and it's, it's a on French my list comedy. of shows I should have watched. So great. Yeah. Um, 
set in a management office, so all agents of famous French actors and directors, and it has amazing cameos, well, not even cameos, like proper roles of people playing themselves in in this series, and it's all about the day-to-day drama and romance and machinations of working at a high-level talent management company, and it's hilarious. And in the first episode, Cécile de France plays herself, and, yeah, we, we talk about that quite a bit because everyone's having a very good-natured dig at themselves in this. The plot is that she's in the running for a Tarantino lead performance and the expectations is that she'll get Botox for the role. So, yeah, she's grappling with being a 40-something actress, maybe having to get plastic surgery and just all this other drama. So it's, it's very funny. Yeah, she's brilliant in that. Well, let's hear it. This is Cécile de France. Thank you so much for joining us on The Playlist. You're very welcome. Thank you. Great. And congratulations on the movie. You know, it's quite a classic setup. the story here, um, you know, about family secrets and absent parents. What intrigued you about it particularly? Um, I was very um, interested by the, the universe of the director, I mean, uh, Karine Tardieu. She did very good films about, especially about the, the, the mother. And here it's a film about the father. And uh, that's talking about paternity, parentality, filiation, and it's talking about very serious question that everybody knows, but not uh, treated with gravity. It's a film full of love, of emotions, of tenderness, and about uh, secret, of course, in the family. And I love the way she, she tells the story, uh, inspired by a real story by one of her friends, who discovered at his uh, death mother that his father was not his real father. Mm. The fact that he engaged a private detective <laughs> to, to discover this story. And um, the father and the son built a very, very beautiful story. And at the end, he discovered that they are not parents. I love the way that it's a story full of suspense, of uh, rebondissement. So each scene was very dramatically intense. And I love my character because um, she she looks very strong, but she's more fragile, of course, than we can imagine. And uh, and she's funny also when, when, when she's scared, she uses humor. So there is a love story, a romantic story between a woman and a man in a very complicated story and also another story of two men who learns to love each other. So that talk about a lot of things. And also because it's built in the stories happening in Brittany. And Brittany in France, it's a wonderful countryside and uh, very good for secrets and mystery. So I love the fact that all of the characters were very lonely, build the structure of the film by each emotion. You know, they wanted to do it well. They want to protect each character, they want to protect themselves from their fears, from their impulsions, from their sincerity. So for me, this film, yeah, it's, it's full of very deep and very uh, intense subjects, but treated with um, with humor and in a simple way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claude Sauté uh, was a very, very good director, you know, in the in the in the seventies. Uh, inspired a lot Karine Tardieu and the fact that uh, he can tell a very simple story but to tell a very simple story we need a lot of work (laughs) I mean uh, we need to be very concentrated and very involved in uh, in the way we did the film so I I don't know if you understand me yeah absolutely uh, so it's a, it's a very beautiful film and it works very well in France, in Belgium, in Europe. And uh, and I think it's universal story too, you know, because uh, this kind of story uh, in each uh, theater we show the film, in each room there was one person who, who, who dares to say, okay, this is my story. <laughs> it's incredible. So we know, I'm sure that we know each of us, a person who learned one day that his one of his parents is not his real parents. But that talk about the fact that there is is there a, an ideal father? Um, the father is the one who helps you to grow grow you up or to uh, or to just give you the, the genetic you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So can 
Can we choose our father? Um, can we forgive the lie of the one who said that he was your father? So it's it's a very very interesting interesting uh, subject um, mm. that touch a lot of people. Yeah, well that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, you know, you don't necessarily have to have not know who your father is. It's, there's certainly things about absent parents and deceased parents. So it's, I mean, there is literally something which everyone can relate to in there, isn't there? Yes, exactly. Mm. We, we, we can identify ourselves to Erwan or Anna and uh, all of the, the, the bounds told about the, the, for example, Anna, my character, the, the relation she has with her father is very special, especially because her mother uh, left when she was young and so she's she's like the woman of her father and it, it's not very well healthy and mm. the fact that uh, Erwan uh, arrives in in her in their life um that will um bring them to something better that uh, the father will emancipate his his daughter and and she will give the place of her father at the good point at the good at the good place you know mm. so uh, we can see yes uh, all of this parental uh, relationship and it's very interesting for everybody yeah and i have to tell you i'm where well, i'm with sbs in australia the broadcaster and so we show a lot of world movies and i have to say like we've probably shown most of your movies <laughs> on on air here um <laughs> you know I, just at the moment we've got kid with a bike we've had chinese puzzle mm-hmm. uh, spanish apartment even young pope we've had and sister smile and anna's no exception of, of the kind of women that you play they're not easy to categorize because you don't play a type necessarily I'm curious in how you choose your roles and, and sort of the roles that come your way and how you've chosen as you go in your career. Um, the first um, thing is I, I have to be very involved in the story. I mean, when I read the script, I really need to be captured by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really need to, like a very, very good book. This is the first thing. Uh, I mean, ask to myself, okay, do I want to tell this story to everybody? Is it important? Is it moving? Is it uh, that that means something for for a lot of people and for myself too, of course. And if the character is interesting, if I read in the script that on each scene, if I see if I can bring something, if I can tell something, if I can um, build a creation uh, with with this character, I, I really want to do it. And also, of course, the the word of the of the director is also important, and and also my partners, of course. But um, no, I think it's unconscious uh, the the fact that I choose some woman, um, perhaps who looks a little bit strong, but <laughs> but more fragile in inside. Of course, that means I. It's more interesting, of course, to have a, a character who have um, different sides, who have. Uh, an appearance and, and, and behind there are something more deep and um, and in relief. So, yes, it, it's I, I'm listening my heart. Sure. So it's very simple. It's like, okay, do I want to tell this story to the people? And what are, what are some of the roles that you're most fond of when you look back? Um, the thing which is interesting when you are an actress, it's that you are a human being. So you get older, you, you grow up, you change, so you... It's good to don't do uh, the same thing all of your life yeah. because, uh, of course, I'm, I'm now I'm the age of um, of to be um, to have children of you know like ten years old or, or more perhaps and and it's good to um, I played young uh, young young lady and now I, it's good to to know that I can play like a mother, uh, something like that. So um, I like the fact that, yes, I grow up, I'm getting older, and, and I change uh, the proposition, I change the, what I can do. <laughs> I recently saw that episode of, it's called Call My Agent here in Australia, but um, I think it's De Poussant in, um, in French. Yeah. yeah. And you were playing yourself in that one. What, what was that experience like? Yeah, uh, I think it was very funny to show to the people um, an ironic and, and a little bit realis- realistic, even if it's not everything is not real. But it's it's interesting to show the the what happening in the other side of 
the, the word of nobody really knows, you know. So And also because it was, my episode was very funny when I read the script. And, um, and especially because it was directed by Cédric Clapiche. Mm. Uh, and, and I worked um, with him a few, or um, like I did three films with him. So I know him very well. We are friends. And uh, and so when he asked me, I really wanted to 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 work with him again, you know, because I like his way of working, and uh, and especially also um, Dominique Besnéard, who uh, who produced the series, he was uh, the the agent who uh, discovered me at the theater school, and so when he asked me to do it, uh, that makes sense. That made sense for me to do it. So uh, I, I really. Yes, I really we laughed a lot on on the set with this uh, this episode, so we had a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it was really fun, and you know it sort of riffs a little bit on your Hollywood career as well, doesn't it? You know, a lot of people would know you from Hereafter as well. Are you, are you still fielding offers from from over there, or have you sort of made a made a choice to to stay in France? Uh, it depends of the um, proposition, mm. and um, I've received a, a few propositions, but when the character is not enough interesting uh i prefer you know it's not because it's hollywood or because it's with very famous actors or if if the character is not very enough interesting for me i i prefer to say no because uh, you know i have family here so i have um I have kids mm. so uh, for <laughs> me it's important to uh if i if i leave a long period I, for me it's it's for something that I really, really want to do, mm-hmm. and so and you know here uh, there are so many very good projects with so many good roles. So um, so yeah, it depends if I, if I really want to do it, it, it. I don't care about if it's Hollywood or not. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and that's the thing, I guess, with um, the roles that you do. And you work with a lot of female directors in France, whereas, you know, clearly Hollywood is going through, well, a lot mm-hmm. of things at the moment. But ordinarily, even outside this current crisis of, you know, the kind of the dearth of female directors, um, or, you know, the, the difficulties of actually having female directors um, manage big projects. What, what are you sort of thinking, watching from afar at what everything that Hollywood's going through at the moment, that this um, soul-searching? I think, of course, it, it's good to... We have a lot of work to do with equality uh, between mm. uh, women and men, of course. Uh, for example, here we are less paid. Mm. Our salary as a woman is um, littler than uh, for men. So <laughs> we, have the, we have to continue the, the fight. And the fact that working with, with women, there are not so many differences. You know, it's more about personality of the person, not about about the sex. Mm. That's what I, I noticed when I worked with with a woman. Yeah, you know, d- directing a film is is a, is a big thing because uh, you must direct a, a, a very big team, a lot of people, so it's kind of big responsibility and uh, and they can do it very well, so uh, but perhaps they don't dare, perhaps the woman don't dare to say, okay, I can do it, I have a have the, the the possibility to do it. I don't know, but um, yeah, I mm. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Have you ever been tempted to to direct or to write? No, 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 no. <laughs> Especially because I don't have this kind. I don't have the shoulders to wear um, to bring a film to the end. And sure. uh, I'm very happy in my job, so uh, I don't need other other things. I prefer to be happy in my what I can do mm. because uh, I'm full of, of joy when I do my job. Um, and are you a big movie watcher anyway? Like, Do, do, you, do you go to the, the cinema a lot? I'm living in the countryside, huh. so unfortunately there are not a lot of uh, cinema in or, with original versions, you know. They used to put the French version and I prefer to see... Uh, uh, foreigner uh, film, so I'm very sad because uh, if I want to see uh, a, f- a film in English, I have to come to Paris to do it. So it's a shame. Mm-hmm. But um, yes, I, I of course I again because I have kids, I, I I used to to show them film for kids who are excellent. So yeah. 
We're a uh, movies and TV culture podcast, and we'd like to ask our guests what they've been watching lately. So, so what is loving or hating, or yeah, what what are, what are some things that you've you've seen lately? Yeah, um, I'm just watching uh, Stranger Things. Ah, okay. Which is excellent. Yeah, it, 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 very very good. And also, uh, I was in the Young Pop too. I'm talking about series and. Uh, I don't know if the young pop uh, went out in Australia. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, we've got it. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a very very good one, and I'm very happy to do the the second season. In uh, the, the shooting will be in um, it's supposed to be in September. Okay. For six months or seven months, and uh, and I'm very happy because working with uh, Paolo Sorrentino is is uh, it's. It's wonderful, you know. It's um, I feel very, very lucky to 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 work with them and and working with uh, Jude Law and uh, Diane Keaton and and all of those wonderful actors. So uh, I'm very, very happy. Yeah, it's wild that one, isn't uh, it? Yes, <laughs> with my friend Ludivine Sanier, she's my friend. So we are so excited <laughs> to do to have the confirmation that the second season will be. So we are very happy. Yeah, excellent. We're looking forward to that one. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wonderful chat with Cecile de France. Great job. Thanks. Are you guys going to stay in touch? Probably. (laughs) Uh, Just to be sure is in Cinnamon's Boxing Day. So there's even more films on Boxing Day. It's it's a big release day. So we've also got Breathe, that Andy Serkis directed this one. Um, Not going to see it. With Andrew Garfield. Coco is the big kids one. I'll definitely be seeing that. Jumanji. And Greatest Showman with our Hugh Jackman. Might see that because I love Hugh Jackman. Okay. But all of these films that released then, it's a Star Wars year, I don't know if you noticed, but there is currently Star Wars... What are we up to? Episode, I want to say eight. Eight. The Last Jedi. Yes. Is now in cinemas. You know, has got a two-week head start on the Boxing Day releases. We've both seen it. It's probably already made its money back and then some. Is it strong enough to still be going Boxing Day? What do you think? Well, it's almost, uh, it feels like no matter what happens, people are going to go see these movies. I don't see what the future is. I'm having a hard time with, with reconciling how good these movies are, the way they hold on to the old movies. Are, are they creating new heroes for kids to uh, obsess over for the next 40 years? It spun me into an existential crisis watching this movie, mainly because I also just didn't, it's just really long. Mm-hmm. The story is barely there, and but it's got some great moments. Okay. Yes, I agree with what you're saying. I liked it with reservations like it is long but then I would put that in the like it was a long movie but I and I was conscious of it being long but I was never bored like I was aware oh it's been a while since we've had a big scene or where's this going this is a whole lot of time about how much is left in the fuel tank of the ship why are we going after the code breaker yeah your point about nodding to the old movies and new heroes and whatnot like I liked that that was at least tackled in this to, to what degree we can debate on but the idea of struggling with your legacy like the whole Luke battling with He's this mythical figure in, but he turned his back on the whole lifestyle and like grappling with destiny and whatnot. So I mean, it went on a bit that element, but oh man, I like, did it ever? Yeah, but I think you know I had to interrogate that because it's built it up so much in all the other movies. It's when you bring him back, that's got to be a part of it. And then to then pass the baton clearly to Ray, which they started that in the last one. So yeah, obviously building new new heroes for next. I guess versions. you can see now, you know, there are girls dressing up uh, yeah. like Ray. So that's that makes it feel like, okay, maybe there's a new generation of fans in this. And Kylo Ren, everybody likes his lightsaber. He was good. I liked him. He's very Adam good Driver was much better in this than he was in The Force Awakens where he didn't really get a lot to do. And then he had his big scene with Harrison Ford. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, sure, that had to happen, but I didn't like the way that happened. But he was a much better villain and just a little more duplicitous in this. I liked that. He has he some big to moments too. More. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I didn't have as much patience as I did for the other with the other one because this with all the uh, all the wrestling, all the you've got to come back and help us. I don't want to. Please, no, please, no. Um, <laughs> I please. just got tired of all of that, and yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I also, while I liked some of the jokes, I think it had mm. a better sense of humor. It felt very Marvel universe to me, and I don't know if that's what Star Wars is about. 
so that it felt a little bit out of place, but also it was, it was funny. I, there was some, I laughed a few times. Mm. Yeah. yeah, the Yoda stuff. Like Yoda's cracking jokes. Yeah. But he is funny in the other movies. Okay, Matt, it's been a while, I guess, since I watched uh, them. He doesn't crack jokes like this. Yeah. Like that Page Turner joke. Yeah. I'm fully aware it's the same person behind them all, Frank Oz, but he Yoda has never sounded more like Miss Piggy than when I watched The Last Jedi. Does Frank Oz do Miss Piggy? Yeah. That's amazing. In a lot of ways, I think it would have been much more entertaining if it had been Miss Piggy. <laughs> And this is another one of those things where I now I'm reading all these reviews saying it's the best Star Wars movie since Empire Strikes Back, which it maybe isn't even that big a an accomplishment. But <laughs> but the Empire Strikes Back had an all time cinema twist at the mm-hmm. end that everyone talks about and knows about. Where is that in these movies? Where are we getting like where is that cultural shift that touchstone that everyone's going to be talking about forever? Yeah. Well, there were there are a couple of moments in The Last Jedi where, like in the cinema, there's, what? Yeah, people and were very excited. And cheer and whooping and, yeah, there's like probably two. But, yeah, I wouldn't put them on par with the Empire ones. I wasn't all that hot on Force Awakens. It felt like a remake yeah, of very much so. what a, a New Hope. And this isn't. No, this is. Sort of. It's. Star, it kind of becomes an Empire remake, but it then goes somewhere else and it's sort of, like we say, you know, it's setting up new heroes and it's crap. Like there's the Kylo Ren, Ray secret communications with each other and sussing each other out. Um, and they're like that, that's interesting. force pen pals. Yeah, yeah. So that's all good. But my favourite of the new films is still Rogue One. I really liked what they did with that. It was, you know, not, this wasn't in, that's not in this episode, what not universe, I feel like- but it, it was a spin off. Rogue One wasn't tied, wasn't um, yeah. handcuffed to the legacy of yeah. Star Wars. They could just make make up a whole new story about how we get to a certain point in the Star Wars yeah. mythology. And so it feels like its own movie. Yeah. Like this has to have references in it and it's yeah. got a Luke's... Yeah, it's more bound to progressing that narrative of the Rebels and the Empire and, yeah. And why? We, spend the ent- we spent two and a half hours just watching the Rebels try to escape. That's it. That was the story. I wanted more than that. I, I wanted something something much bigger and better. Well, that's it for our show. Please go on to Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe. Leave us a review. Email us at film at sbs.com.au or follow us on Facebook or Twitter at SBS Movies. I'm Nick Bassine. I'm at Nick Bassine on Twitter. I'm Fiona Williams. I'm at Anything But Fifi on Twitter. Special thanks to Jeremy Wilmot for being um, a fantastic producer. Uh, he has, uh, as a parting gift, 2017, has put together a little um, greatest hits package <laughs> from uh, the year on the playlist. I'm joined by my co-host, Hello. Nick Pacine. Hi, How's it going? Good, thanks. I am so excited about this episode. I'm so glad I showed up to work today. We've got such an amazing episode. I know I say it every episode. Yeah, nice. We are talking to people involved with some fantastic movies. The actor Richard Jenkins, Jack Thompson, Willem Dafoe, George Clooney, who's a movie star that uh, I'm familiar with you his might work. have heard of, and TV shows. That's what people come to expect from the playlist. <laughs> And that's what we deliver. Let's kick it off with um, what attracted you to uh, Berlin Station. Um, the location. Is that Berlin? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you should be a CIA. <laughs> How do you know I'm not? <laughs> well, because you asked if it was Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> We're off to a great start. <laughs> I mean, for me, I, I think about autofocus a lot because um, it's one of the funniest lines in any movie Use your hand on his ass. You both discover that at the same time. You say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was, it was a group growth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So funny. You're not getting this kind of action on any other podcast. I'll tell you that right now. No matter how much you make fun of someone or a political system, they still become president. Yeah. Still happens. Not only did we laugh, but we also didn't laugh. <laughs> we cried. Or we sat stirred by drama. I have been watching the most popular show in the history of television, Stranger Things. Series two. So I've I've seen a couple of episodes. The culture uh, sometimes puts me in a corner. And this is one of those times where I just do not like or see, no, I can see why it's so popular, but I don't like it and I feel like I don't belong and I want to be pulled out of uh, society. I've become an emotional wreck. 
I think this show is really mediocre. I think it's nostalgia porn, and I think I would much rather watch E.T. I would much rather watch <laughs> Close Encounters or Ghostbusters or any of those other movies. I've got a big rant. Doesn't it seem like the worst thing in the world would be watching other people watch TV? You would think. And yet? It's Love not, it. It's not. <laughs> Colin Farrell is good as the soldier. Um, do you find him to be as hunky as I do? <laughs> I don't know how hunky you find him. I find him to be very handsome. I watched Everybody Wants Some! Exclamation mark, exclamation mm. mark. Does, Richard Linklater. Does everyone want some? Not this puppy. <laughs> <laughs> don't you think Steven Spielberg is rolling around in his grave? As of this recording, Steven Spielberg is still with us. You know, it's not one of your New York stories that, that there's very... <laughs> no. <laughs> um, While we have you, I have to say how much I relate to Love the Beast. I'm a bit of a tragic car nut myself. We have the doc at SBS On Demand. I can go and watch it. Yep, totally, yeah. <laughs> Tell us what you think of it. A guy sitting there and whispering about him, and this is where he died. How does that feel, man? It's very sad. My question for you, and I don't like asking these kinds of questions, but as a woman... Hashtag you... as a woman. Hashtag as a woman. I liked the film, I really did. But I wasn't, you know, punching the air and doing my lady dance. I've seen it. You've watched They it. were moving really fast, <laughs> and I didn't hear all the words, but I saw it. Yeah, I don't think that counts. Huh. Agree to disagree. Did you get sick of people asking what Telly Savalas is like? <laughs> well, they didn't have a lot of people ask me. But. Oh, really? That's surprising. <laughs> that was going to be my first question.